This is exactly right. If you're a fan of meticulously crafted worlds that reimagine every little detail, then you'll enjoy the podcast Imaginary Worlds. Host Eric Malinsky spent over a decade working in public radio and uses those skills to create a sound-rich podcast that features interviews with Andy Weir, who wrote The Martian, the writers of hit TV shows like Star Trek Strange New Worlds, designers of games like Magic the Gathering, and the puppeteer who designed Miss Piggy. You can find Imaginary Worlds wherever you're listening to this podcast. You asked and we answered. Pre-orders are open for our new t-shirt, Give Us the B of the D, specially designed by friend of the show, Sandra Pelock. Pre-orders are very important, folks. Once we sell out of these, they are gone forever. It's also the best way to take advantage of our inclusive sizing. Yes, so head over to the ERM store at myfavoritemurder.com to get your shirt today. That's myfavoritemurder.com slash ERM store to order your Give Us the B of the D t-shirts today. Welcome to another episode of I Saw What You Did. My name is Millie DeCherico. And listen, I'm sorry, Miss Jackson. I am for real. I'm also Danielle Henderson. Oh, the juice is loose. <laughs> I can already, I can already fucking feel it, everyone. Danielle, how are you? I'm doing great. And I think part of the reason I'm so jacked is because I have a new serial killer or self-care for you. Uh- and it's a summer edition it's a very special summer edition so when you're answering these make sure that you remember this is a summer edition oh my god summer rules apply okay so tell the people maybe the people that don't know what this game is we've done it many times it's it's always a fave so tell tell them what the game is so essentially one of us will come up with a list of things that we are challenging the other person to answer. Do you think this thing is self-care or do you think it possibly makes you a serial killer? Because huh. there's weirdly a fine line between the two sometimes, I've, I have found. And I absolutely agree. You have, you have to get into the other person's head as you're answering. Yes. So this wouldn't, if I ask Millie, you know, serial killer or self-care, red or blue, she has to think, how would Danielle answer that? Right, right. So it's kind of jumping into the other person's brain. It leans heavy on uh, our knowledge of each other as friends. And every time I find out something about you that I didn't know before. (laughs) Same, same. It's great. Well, let's get into it. Serial killer or self-care summer edition. Yes. And it's a supersized serial killer or self-care. There are 10 questions. What? Fuck! <laughs> That's just more go. chances to get it right. More chances to get it right. All right. Well, let me, somebody take tally now. I'm going to have to write some shit down or maybe we can get Casey to write some shit down because I never know. I'm always I'm confused about if, if I'm winning or losing. I'm, I've got it. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go. I've got a pen and a piece of paper. I've got it on my phone. Perfect. Perfect. I will okay. make sure that we know how many you have correct. Okay, cool, cool. Let's hit it. All right. First one, serial killer or self-care summer edition. Cishet men wearing flip-flops. I'm imagining I'm in your body. I'm I'm in your being. I'm walking around, <laughs> Warwick. I will say 
serial killer? 100%. Okay, okay. Thank <laughs> fucking God. 100%. And you know, I'm not here to body shame anyone ever, but... If you're wearing flip-flops out in these streets, you got to follow some fucking rules. And we can't have your little corn chip toenails hanging over the side of your goddamn Adidas slides just because it's hot out. You got to shave a fucking toe knuckle. Like, make it <laughs> presentable. All right, can we, can I back out of this a little bit and ask a few exploratory questions about of course. the shoe? Okay. Of course. So, a flip-flop. Are we defining flip-flop as... Is a Birkenstock a flip-flop or is it just rubber rubber shoes? No, I'll take in any any sandal, like a summer sandal. Okay, I, I got yeah. it. And this is specifically for cisette men. 100%. Totally hear you on that. I, I got to say, I, I agree. I there agree. are some feet out there where you're like, did you just climb a tree with your bare hands and your bare feet? Like sticking your toenails in like a fucking climbing wall? Everyone's free to wear a flip-flop. But let's say you're you're you, you're just in the past five, ten years decide to wear open toe shoes, it's hot, you want to be comfortable, you want everyone to have the same level of comfort. Let's add um some fungus into the mix <laughs> that you have not addressed or acknowledged. And I'm in the grocery store behind you in line, and I'm looking down and I'm confronting this fungus with my bare eyes. And now that's in my head forever. Yeah. Your your foot fungus is now in my head forever. Yeah. I remember, uh, just a side note, because I know we have 10, nine more of these questions. <laughs> I remember I remember April, my friend April um, from high school was telling me that she knew a guy in our high school that told her once in class that he loved his athlete's foot. No. <laughs> Nothing to love. Nothing to love there. That's a kink we don't need to explore. That's a fetish I don't need to know exists. What you loving about athlete's foot? I guess Ooh, I you love, love the sensation love the itch. of itching his feet. You can just itch your foot without athlete's foot. <laughs> just get down there and start scratching. Clean up that athlete's foot and then just get down there with a French tickler and do your fucking thing. He was a cishet man, by the way. So mm. this tracks. It's all tracks. I'm telling so you. Put, put some put some loafers on, I guess, is the message that you're sending. Because otherwise you're a serial killer. Or like a covered Birkenstock. I have a pair of Birkenstocks that don't have toes out. Me too. Mm-hmm. I like them. I'm just saying, I, I, I hate I hate policing anyone's anything. But cis have, cishet men have gotten away with this for too long. Yes. For too long. And if I don't have reproductive rights, they can the least they can do is get their fucking feet together. That's right. We punch up, okay? That's okay. How it works. All right. Okay. So I got, got one. one right. You got one. All right. I'm so I'm excited ex- for I'm this excited. next one. Yeah. So excited. All right. You ready? Serial mm-hmm. killer or self care summer edition? Taking a giant shit midair in an airplane bathroom. <laughs> um. All right. I'm gonna try not to uh, think about what I would say for you. Self care. Yep. hundred percent. Yes. <laughs> But just like with the sandals, there's some protocols. If you're taking a giant shit midair, because you don't know what your bowels are doing when you're flying. I've been traveling a lot lately. You don't know what, what's going to happen and when it's going to happen. Yeah. You got to release. I am I am all for that. However, yes. if you are taking a giant shit in an airplane bathroom, you got to hang back for a couple of minutes. You can't just trail <laughs> that fucking scent behind you up and down the aisle. 
Because that is exactly what's happening, is you leave, and that scent follows you like a fucking ghost all the way down the aisle. And now we all hit with it. So why don't you just just hang out for a minute in your own funk? Let it dissipate. I 100% agree. Also, not for nothing, they make... What is that spray? Is it called... um, Poopery. Yeah. They make these very discreet, almost like a kind of travel eau de parfum size of these, like, um, poopery things. So you could just literally slide it in your pocket, go to the shitter, do your business, and then do a little couple of pumps of that. No one would know. Absolutely. And it's like an essential oil that covers the toilet water. So it's not even, like, environmentally unfriendly. It's just like your shit is just falling through and being cloaked in oil, essential oil. (laughs) (laughs) Wrapping it up like a little little blanket so you can't even smell it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So there there are ways to do it, but I do agree that doing it is self-care. Absolutely. (laughs) Doing it is self-care. Just follow mild protocols. If you're not going to take poopery with you, just hang back for a minute. <laughs> okay? Okay. You're doing great. You're doing great I'm so far. fucking stoked. All right. Serial Killer or Self-Care Summer Edition. Going to the beach. Going to the beach. For you, Serial Killer. Absolutely. Three, four, three, three, four, three. <laughs> we, are, we have surpassed global warming and we are now in global bo- boiling. What are y'all doing out on the beach? It's disgusting. Sand is horrible. No one ever has a good time at the beach. And everyone goes. And I don't get it. Everyone's like, oh, my God, I fell asleep and I got a sunburn. Or I couldn't find anything to eat. Or I was dehydrated. There's sand in my crack. There's sand in everything. My kids had a horrible time. I was worried that everyone was going to drown all day. Why are you going to the beach? Yeah, yeah. Look, I think this is something that that is different about you and I. I am a, I am a fucking pro-beach person. I am. I am. Always have been. It's okay if you're not. That's what I like about you. Okay? Thank you. Having said that I'm pro-beach, I totally see why you'd be anti-beach for those reasons that you just expressed. Totally. And look, I went to Jamaica for the first time in February, and they have, where I was staying, they had a little beach experience. Mm -hmm. And it was fine. But I didn't hang out there. I went there once. I'm like, all right, I'll go to this little beach once and then get me in a fucking deck chair for yeah. the rest of the time. I'm good. Yeah. I mean, remember that time? <laughs> now I forgot what they were called. Oh, now I remember. Fucking remember that time last year? Was it last year when I got no seams from the beach? Yes. Those absolutely. Those little sand crab things are. Yeah. Sand fleas. And. Our old producer, Alexis, like, corroborated my story because apparently she had gotten them at one point in Mm -hmm. Puerto Rico or something. I remember when she said that. And she was like, it was the most horrible experience of my life. And I was like, thank God that somebody else has experienced this because it was truly the worst maybe six months of my life. They would not go away like, the itching was so bad that I was like, I think I'm permanently scarred. Like, I think that these things, Ugh. I will be itching for the rest of my life. I will have scars on my body from these stupid fucking sand fleas. And it's because I went to the beach in Florida. So, Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. You know what else is in that sand? 
dog piss, dog shit, child piss, child shit, vomit, all kinds of shit. Full diapers, sometimes full fucking diapers buried under the sand. I don't know why people have done that. Absolutely. But having said that, I love the beach, so I don't know. More power to you. More power to you. And you got this one right. You're three for three. Yes, yes, yes. All right. This next one, I can't wait to see your answer or to hear your answer. Okay, okay, okay. Serial killer is self-care summer dish. Reapplying an anti-chafing stick to your inner thighs in the middle of the street. I have a personal story about this. Um, <laughs> I, I, for, I will say for you that's self care. It's actually serial killer. What? No! <laughs> you betrayed me. You've I betrayed know. me. It could have gone. I obviously could have gone either way. Absolutely. I think it's serial killer only because I've seen too many people out in these streets squatting over a sewer grate like a fucking goblin, rubbing the inside of their legs. And I'm like, look, I understand why. I understand why. My thighs touch. I understand why. (laughs) But can you find a little bit of discreet area to do this? I've just seen too many crotches this fucking summer. Oh, I mean, I, for some reason, I thought you were going to go the other way with it. Okay. But having, (laughs) now that you've ironed out your, your reasoning behind it, I totally see. I mean, it is not a thing you should do in public, weirdly enough, I guess. I mean, it just looks weird. Or if you do, just, like, face a wall. Just turn around. <laughs> like, why are face you doing it in the wall. middle of the fucking street? My personal story about this was that, like, a week or two ago, I was up at Mary's, which is the bar that my friend Ben owns. I used to DJ mm-hmm. there. And it, I was there for a party in the middle of the afternoon, and it was so fucking hot. Like, everybody was wearing cut-off jean shorts and, you know, ripped-up shirts you know, where the sleeve holes are going down to the fucking, <laughs> going down to the waist. And everybody was sweating. And I, I remember I told Ben, I was like, you should install a gold bond dispenser <laughs> in this bar. Each bathroom, just put it in. Yeah. It's like, you know, when you just, instead of, it, it kind of comes and it looks like, you know, a... um purell dispenser except it's just a gold bond and then you just take a little bit of powder and slap it on your wet parts and that's it just a puff comes out in a puff yeah i i would i would frequent many establishments if that was (laughs) was possible in the summer a little refreshing moment in the summer (laughs) well shit i can't believe i fucking didn't get one right it's only one it's look this is a super size edition the chant this you're doing great okay you're doing great and All this right. next one, I'm also, it, it's, this is going to take some real knowledge of me. Okay. Serial killer or self-care? Personal around the neck fans. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> around the neck. Um, I'm going to say serial killer. Absolutely. Yay, yay, yay. Oh and I God. don't know why. I like the comfort level is probably there in a way that I'm not comfortable in the summer because I feel like I even saw Lupita and Yango wearing one on the the strike line in a cut article or something mm. or on the strategist. They're like, we finally found this fan she was wearing, and I'm like, even her, who I have seen wield giant pairs of scissors in movies and didn't think she was a serial killer, she looks like a fucking serial killer with that thing on. That 
to me, those types of devices are very Nathan for you yeah. adjacent, like <laughs> Amazon.com <laughs> shit. Like, I'm just like, what is <laughs> these gadgets, these gadgets <laughs> that people can get? I am not a gearhead. I am a nerd. I'm a true and actual nerd. And I will say those things look too nerdy for me. There we go. That's it. I can't. But That's you got it. it. You got yes. it. You're doing great. This next one. So we're one, ha- halfway through. I'm four, halfway through? And, four and one, right? Yeah, you're four, okay. four correct. Halfway through. Okay. All right. This next one. Serial killer or self-care summer a dish. Spritzing your face with rose water or witch hazel. Uh, I really hope you answer this right. I'm going to say self-care. Absolutely. Yes. Uh. Absolutely. I would now some people again protocols some people carry around rose water or witch hazel they put it in their fridge it's very refreshing yes some people use bottles spray bottles that you could mix household cleaners in yeah keep the big stuff at home take a little one just take a little one and then it's not going to get all over the face when you spray your face but I love it I think it feels very refreshing me too without being overly smelly or difficult you don't have to squat over a sewer grate like a fucking anti-chafing stick if you mm-hmm. could be very discreet and just it really does spruce you up do you have a favorite one i like that mario badescu yes rosewater one it's so and it's like six bucks it's so good yeah i like that one there's this 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 brand vacation have you heard Ooh, of this brand no. they do it is it is kind of wild they do sunscreen and it's very a the, the branding of it is so specific. It's very really? 80s, very like Club Tropicana. Ooh. Yeah, it's it, the whole line is I think very um very branded. But they make a, a spritz and it smells like being at the pool in the 80s. It's kind oh of the God. weirdest smell. Send and they pro- the they link. promote it that way, but it's um yeah, but it's, it's weird that it actually works. Yeah, that it way. feels it feels like I've I'm in middle school again or something. Aww. It's crazy. So send me a link. I will I'll check it out. But it, and if it they feels wanted good. to send us free product, they can get in touch with us. I saw what you did pot at gmail.com. Always. You know we'll always take free No one ever takes us up on it and we're always putting it out there. Dunkin' Donuts, I'm still waiting. <laughs> we should have a fucking franchise offered to us at this point. Okay. For the times that you mentioned Dunkin' Donuts on this podcast, you should have a slide where munchkins just roll down it right into your mouth as you're recording this podcast. <laughs> you just pull up a little trap door and it's like munchkin avalanche. Here yes. We go. <laughs> like, come on, Duncan. Where are you at? Where are you at? All right. All right. You're doing great. Five right. Five right? Okay. No, you've got one, two, three. Yeah, five right. Five out of okay. six. All right. We've got right. four more. Here we go. This is the summer edition Serial killer or self-care. So as you answer this one, keep that in mind. Okay. Saying hello to fellow bike riders, walkers, or hikers as you pass. <laughs> For your ass? That's serial killer shit. 100%. Ha! You want me to stop and say hello to you in this 106-degree weather? Let's keep it fucking moving. <laughs> I don't need politeness at this point. I'm out here for a walk or like trying to get some exercise while the world is burning. Politeness is out the window. Just keep it moving. I think I remember one of these uh, games that we played once where you said that you're not allowed to take backpacks or any accoutrement with you. (laughs) 
So you're like, ah! no, sh- take nothing with you in the woods. Don't look at anybody. Don't smile at anybody. Just go and have a private experience in the woods. <laughs> is where I'm at. Do you remember that TikTok from a few months ago of that guy that was like w- white people going hiking yeah. and he's just like saying hi? Ah, ah. Like he's just like breathlessly saying hi yes. to people over and over again. I that shit is so funny. <laughs> it's so funny because I'm like, and also sometimes, you know, I'm also including bike riding and walking because sometimes, you know, I'll go for a walk down my street or like in my, what I guess passes for my neighborhood. It's just in the country. And people will say hi, but they'll also be like, how are you? What's up? What's going on? But, and I'm like, it's very friendly, but it's also a hundred degrees out here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, let me give you my email address and we'll talk later. Yeah. No Neighbor? time. No time. Just, just in the summer. Just in the summer. And, you know, the height of summer, height of winter. I don't want to freeze. I don't want to boil That's while right. I'm saying hello to people. Just give me a wave. Yeah. Friendly wave and a smile. Let me, and you can see me sweating. You can see these sweat rings already pouring down. It looks like fucking half moons under my tits. Like, you can see what's happening. <laughs> my body betrays me every time I leave the house. So, like, just let's keep it moving. Yeah. Oh, Agreed. you're doing so great. You're doing ah. so, oh, speaking of, speaking of titties. This next one. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shit. (laughs) Serial killer of self-care, summer edition. Not wearing a bra with a tank top. Not wearing a bra with a tank top, huh? Mm -hmm. For you, I would say self-care. Absolutely. Yes! You better let me have these titties out in the summer. I don't even put it this way. If the choice came up and it was like you could have reparations or you could go topless in the summer without getting a ticket, <laughs> titties be out. <laughs> Keep your fucking money. Let me get my fucking titties out. It's too hot in these streets. <laughs> I, listen, I, I got to say, I and I don't know if it's because I love urban cowboy so much, but you know how I feel about <laughs> no bra and a tight ass tank top. Thank you. It looks it looks hot. It's sexy yeah. and, yeah. again, a little bit more comfortable. Yeah. I, it doesn't even matter if you're a B or, like, a triple F. I don't care. Get the titties out. Great. It's great. Yeah. Knock yourself out all summer long. If we can't go topless, if I can't look like Henry Rollins when I leave the house, like an onstage Henry Rollins when I leave the house, then you better shut the fuck up about the fact that I'm not wearing a bra with this goddamn tank top. Yeah, you need a pair of champion-style sports shorts, no shirt on, no shoes. No shoes, no shorts, no service. I don't care. <laughs> Give me some service. All right, what's my score? Am I seven and one, eight, uh, six and you're one? You're eight. What? One, hang on, one, two, three, four, five, six. No, you're seven and eight. Seven Wait, and one. On. One, two, three, four, five, six. You've gotten seven correct, one wrong. Oh, my God. The one is fucking plaguing me. All right. It's Go all ahead. right, though. That was a tough one. That was mm. a tough one. Mm. But these last two, I got okay. faith. I got faith. Okay. All right. Serial killer or self-care summer edition. Hair removal ads that use a bonsai tree or a tiny bush as a representation for pubic hair. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Let's see, where would you come down on nads? I'm going to say that is serial killer for you. 100%. Woo! 100%. 
The same way that I feel like when you're doing a maxi pad ad, don't show me that toxic blue sludge. Give yeah. me some red. Don't show me this cutesy bonsai tree, tiny bush. Ooh, I'm shaving something in an ad. I don't even want to see real pubes. I don't know what I want to see, but I don't want to see that. Yeah, there there has to be some kind of happy medium. I'm not sure that we figured it out yet because there there is actually a, a commercial that's currently on TV. I believe it's for a razor for bikini lines for women. And they get right up on this woman's uh, groin area. And I feel like there's some ingrowns or something like that, maybe like a faint ingrown. And I was like, my dad is watching this channel. Like, what is he doing right now? And of course, this girl was like, beautiful and young or whatever. And I'm just like, is my dad like contemplating whether or not like young women have ingrown fucking crotch hairs? I'm like, I, I'm not comfortable with this. I'm not, co- but I also don't want the, you know, the fucking, we can't oh handle God. the pubes version, which is the bonsai tree. So I don't know what right. I want. I don't know. That's the thing. You, you know what it is? You know what the happy medium is? A Merkin. Start style, start styling them Merkins. Treat us like adults. Stop shaving fucking trees and showing us real ingrown hairs and just get a Merkin and shave that shit to show your product works. Like every other fucking razor ever worked in the history of man. That's the other thing. None of these things are doing anything special. Uh-uh. I'm like, it's, so it's just another razor? Great. Stop with the cute, weird shit. Yeah, I know. The ladies razor. The, you know, whatever. The ladies pube razor. I'm like, what is yeah. this? Anyway, I I totally agree with you. Get me a Merkin. I'm just like, I don't know what the other... There has... We got to come up with it, America. Like, figure something out, advertisement people. Exactly. Um, Even... Look, you don't... Here's the other thing. Why hasn't anyone considered... You don't need to show me the shaving. You can just show the final product. Like, hey, look at this woman in a high-cut French bikini, and there's no spiders poking out. There's nothing poking out because she used our fucking product. (laughs) <laughs> when did they decide they have to show the shaving? Like, I know what shaving is. Just show me the final result and I'll buy your shit, maybe. <laughs> like, oh, look at her. She's fucking footloose and fancy free wearing a thong bikini. Yeah. <laughs> and it doesn't look like she's got buckwheat in a headlock. <laughs> I mean, listen, if you're going that road, you better show, like, some sacks is all I'm saying. It always feels like, oh, we can <laughs> oh, show completely. we can show a ingrown on a labial fold, but we can't show an ingrown on a ball. Let me also tell you, I would rather see some balls poking out of a bathing suit than a <laughs> cishet man wearing flip-flops. <laughs> if it came down to advertising and they're like, here's your choice, I'm like, you better show me them fucking nuts. I'm not about a fucking flip-flop. <laughs> Corn Frito toenail foot. Show us the balls. A lot of people shave their balls now. That's right. <laughs> Show us some Merkin. Show us some nuts. Treat us like adults. Stop with this bush shit. Yes. Agreed. Agreed. This is the last one. This is the okay. last one. I'm oh so God. excited. I'm so proud of you. Oh my God. I'm so, I, I'm worried for me, but uh, I'm proud for you. Well, I'm, I'm worried for you too, but I'm also <laughs> like, I'm I'm loving being a winner. I'm loving winning. So you are winning and you're going to, I feel it in my bones that you'll win with this one as well. Okay. Okay. And it's not easy. Oh, shit. Because you know me. 
Serial Killer or Self-Care Summer Edition, Brushing Your Teeth in the Shower. Holy shit. This is maybe the hardest one that you've ever done. I know, because you know I'm a hippie. But I know, I also I know Watching people brush their teeth. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm is trying... it like, ooh, she hates watching people brush their teeth. If they do it in the shower, she never has to see it? Or is it something else? I'm like trying to gauge your aversion to toothpaste in a shower mm. scenario. Let me think about smart, this. Smart oh, road to fuck, go down. Fuck, fuck, um, Brushing your teeth. In the shower. Okay, I'm. I feel like I'm closing my eyes before I shoot this gun. I'm gonna say, serial killer. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. <laughs> You're putting a fucking hot toothbrush in your hot mouth against your hot gums, and then you're spitting on your own feet. The fuck are you doing? <gasps> <laughs> oh, I am so relieved. I am so relieved. You killed it. You got nine out of ten correct. Okay, I have that one blemish. I will not sleep tonight, okay? But Look, at least a, I got nine. At least I got nine. For a supersized edition, you did, you knocked it out of the park. And that one was tough. The one that you got wrong was tough. Because you know how, again, I'm all about body positivity. Yes. So an anti-chase stick, you would think... <laughs> Would be something I'd be down for, but I've just seen too many crashes this summer. Look, I, I don't blame you at all, but I am, again, what a giant picture window into your fucking brain. This game <laughs> gives and gives every week we play it. We should just compile these answers and hand them out like a resume to any potential suitors. <laughs> be like, here's what she thinks about brushing your teeth in the shower. She thinks you're a fucking serial killer. <laughs> I also, I also love the trail of texts and emails that we get after we play this game to be like, oh, fuck, I brushed my yeah. teeth in the shower. <laughs> That's the other thing. This is a generalized thing for me, and it's specific to me. Do your thing. You don't have to yeah. tell me if you do half or all of these things that I think are serial killer moves. That's fine. You just have to live with yourself and maybe don't kill because you know you have it in you to do that. That's right. If you well, do these things. I'm so happy that I I got all but one right, and I fucking love playing this game. It's so fun. Are we ready to get oh, yeah. into the the very last week of this month long hot movie celebration? We did it, folks. We did it. A month long theme. We did it. Uh, it's been so fun watching these movies. And I gotta say, this, we go out with a fucking bang. <laughs> <laughs> and we also, we kind of ran out of movies with hot in the title <laughs> that we also thought would be appropriate for a double feel. Like, we know the heat of the night. We know there's, like, more movies out there. But we wanted to have, you know, a good double feature. And I feel like we weirdly paired up some good ones. This might be our most unhinged. Yeah, I know we say that every once in a while, but I truly think this might be our most unhinged episode. I, I agree. And I it, it makes me laugh because, again, we decided to go down the road of, like, preparation, hot preparation, 
cooking terms, perhaps? You, you don't want to know. When I was like trying to come up with my movie, I literally went into Google and was like, uh, movies about cooking, movies with cooking terms in the title, movies about making food. Like I was, and it was like pulling up all these bad results. And so I just had to essentially find, go on IMDb and just like type the word, all the words that could apply. Like I went down a list of cooking terms, like broil, braise, bake, you know, like burn. Like it was all this you know stuff. That, and I'm like, you know. You know that movie, Braise em, Braise em High? <laughs> Class <laughs> About of Braise em High. <laughs> those high schoolers who can't stop braising shit. <laughs> at, at a university for the the top brazers in America, <laughs> one teenager discovers. No, I was listen, Broiling. it was fun. It, yeah. It, it oh, was fun. Shit. I think that we these two movies couldn't be any different. No. <laughs> I I also feel like they might be watched by the same person though. Would you think exactly. would you agree? And that person is us. Yeah, that person is us. <laughs> So I'm going first this week. This is a classic for people who smoke a lot of weed. So my movie is from 1998. It was written by Dave Chappelle and Neil Brennan. It was directed by Tamara Davis, and it's called Half-Baked. I got it. I know how we can get Kenny out. Weed, man. We'll sell weed. I absolutely forgot that Tamara Davis directed this. Well, that's, that's who I want to talk about right up top. Oh, go for it, my dear. Yes. So, I mean, we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit about Tamara. Uh, she was a little bit of a director crush for me in the '90s. I have to say, she made lots and lots of TV and film in her career, but she really cut her teeth making music videos, which we've talked about on the podcast before. Directors that make mu- music videos, and I've read some interviews with her where she talked about making music videos at the beginning of her career was really fundamental to her finding her sort of directorial style, right? And she said, which I think is really interesting, that the music video world was generally way more accepting of women as directors. Mm. And there was generally more women making music videos than they were making feature films, certainly. And that there's just less misogyny in that world, which I think is really cool. That's incredibly cool. And it's very interesting. And I wonder if it's because so many bands in the 90s were female-fronted. Yeah. And so maybe that was just kind of on the... Or just maybe that's just the way that that particular sect of the business developed. But I think it's great. Yeah, I think so too. And I wonder, you know, I feel like... I, yeah, I, I don't know why that is. And I, I mean, there's certainly a lot of female directors that made, like, we talked about this when we talked about Penelope Spheris. So it's like, I don't know, there's something to that that's very interesting. So, of course, I first heard of Tamara Davis in the 90s because, you know, because she made music videos. I saw her name on MTV a lot. And when I was a kid, I was obsessed with the video for Bust a Move by Young MC, which played pretty much every afternoon when I came home from school for, like, a solid year or something. This is also a weirdly well-documented fact on our podcast, because wasn't that also, like, the first LP you purchased? (laughs) Or, like, the first single you purchased? 
No, it was like the first the first record I ever purchased was Pump Up the Volume. Pump Up the Mars. Volume. Oh, but God. same era, really. It was like late 80s kind of stuff. And I loved the Busted Move video because it referenced Delicious Vinyl. Do you remember like Delicious? And like, it was like a lot of uh, people in a fake high school type of thing. Anyway, I loved it. And I thought it was so funny. So she directed that video. She also directed two Sonic Youth videos. She did the video for Cool Thing and Bull in the Heather. That's how I know her for sure. Absolutely. But she went even as far back. She directed two Smiths videos. I mean, come on. Yes. I mean, it's like she's been around forever. And so to me, she's always seemed adjacent to that whole kind of cool alternative world and not for nothing, she was married to Mike D of the Beastie Boys for many years. Mm-hmm. So. But when she made the jump to feature films, she directed two other huge comedies prior to Half Baked, which was CB4 with Chris Rock. <laughs> which, have we ever talked about CB4? No? I don't know if, I don't remember if we have, but we really should get it on. I'm curious to see if it holds up. Me too, because I, I I know we did, when we did Black History Month one year, we did Black Parody, and I feel like we, yeah, we did Wayans Brothers. So maybe, maybe we have to, maybe we'll have to sneak it in another theme. Yeah, um, I know that every too. February I post that clip from CB4 that's just <laughs> the guy saying, I'm black, y'all, I'm black, y'all, I'm blackity black, because I'm black, y'all. <laughs> maybe we could drop that clip in. <laughs> oh, I thought that movie was so fucking funny when I when it came out. So we'll have to we'll have to watch it again. But so she directed C before and then she also directed Billy Madison with Adam Sandler. Oh wow, so, I didn't know that. Absolutely. And yeah, so she's perfect fit for a movie like Half Baked. So here's another thing that rocked me uh when I was doing research. So this film was obviously written by Dave Chappelle and Neil Brennan, who mm-hmm. have worked together forever, right? They apparently were 23 years old when they wrote yeah. this. Mm-hmm. You're friends with Neil, right? So I don't know. Yeah. Maybe you have some info that I don't have. Yes, I'm very good friends with Neil Brennan. Uh, I was going to call him or text him to see if he had any thoughts for the show. But he's very busy. And then I forgot. Well, but also, that is wild to me. That yeah. 23 is so young. But that... I had to look up how old Dave Chappelle was because I was like, I thought Dave Chappelle was way older than me. He's only a few years older than me. Like, yeah. Which I'm like, wow, he's really successful. And he's, <laughs> he's my age. You know that feeling? Well, these are also, t- I, I, I mean, I know just from like listening to interviews and stuff that Dave was doing um, stand up in high school. Like when yeah. he started doing stand up when he was like 14 years old or something like that. And Neil, same way. Just from talking to him, I know that he, you know, he dropped out of college and just started working. Yeah. Like, when he was 18 years old. So, to them, to us, we're looking at it as, oh, you're 23. And to them, it's like, we've been doing this for five years already. Yeah. Or 10 years already. It ma- it makes me wish that Crazy. I had gotten started earlier instead of smoking weed every day mm. when I was 18 and mm. 23. <laughs> But you know what I mean? Like, it's just that thing where I'm like, wow, I can't believe they were so young when they wrote this movie. Some people really do just know what they want to do with their life. And I was not one of those. And I, (laughs) you know, like they know what they want to do and they know how to do it. And I 
didn't have either of those things. Um, but it's also it's weird to me that Dave Chappelle is not that much older than us because his opinions about the world are like grandpa or archaic. Yeah, that is something that I <laughs> was going to touch upon, obviously. I mean, mm. there are certain people in this film that have said or have aligned themselves with things in their personal lives that I do not agree with, right? Mm-hmm. Me either. You know, I would be lying if I said I didn't think about that at least once when I watched this movie again. Yeah. Right? But... Generally, I I came into watch rewatching this movie because it has been a really long time. I haven't seen this since probably 1998, 99, or whenever it came out. I did come in with an open mind. I mean, I'm cognizant of having liked it back in the day. So it's like, you know, and I know that that was an era where we just did not know about people's personal lives as we do now. Like, yeah. we didn't know about famous people and their opinions on things. We just didn't. And we also, this was back in the day where before memes, people just shouted quotes from this movie at each other as a way of communicating. Yeah, exactly. And it was just everywhere, but. Yeah. But to your point, yes. I was like, it does, it did surprise me that he's our age. (laughs) I gotta be honest. So, well, and also, I I found it strange. I think the reason I I brought it up too, and I know we've talked about it a little bit, but I really. When I was watching the movie, it takes me out of the experience of enjoying the movie, knowing how hateful Dave Chappelle is and knowing how right-wing Jim Brewer is. And I'm just going to say it in those bold and bald terms because I don't agree with either of them. Mm-hmm. And I think that Dave Chappelle's transphobia is horrifying. It's not even it's not just horrifying, it's dangerous. It's incredibly dangerous. Um, And I can't, I don't enjoy him as a performer anymore because his opinions are so hateful. Mm, And same with, like, Jim Brewer hasn't been on my radar since he left SNL, to be completely honest. But I, it's hard to watch him in this movie being like, acting like he's part of a certain subculture, knowing Mm. that he is so hateful of that subculture. And he is so hateful of people who represent that very thing so it's very interesting because this again this was a movie that was a big part of a for a lot of us it was a big part of kind of our sub you know our subconscious as people who were just trading jokes back and forth and you know it's but it really it was very interesting because I know that we we do talk quite a bit about revisiting films and what they meant then versus what they meant now this is not a film I ever would have thought I would have a different opinion on. And it's not even the content of the film itself. It's that yeah. I, I've just reached a point in my personal life where I cannot separate the art from the artist enough to enjoy something like this, knowing who they are yeah. in the world. And I think that's, yeah, it's definitely like a, a facet of the modern world that is very different, is that now we, you know, we know all these opinions that people are had mm-hmm. previously kept hidden, um, or that, you know, they were able to have entire careers while being absolute monsters behind the scenes because we just didn't know anything. But now we do. And so I felt, I felt weird watching it, and I felt weird knowing that we were going to have to talk about it, because I just 100% do not agree with with either of them. Yeah. And it's hard to present the art of someone that you are so misaligned with. Yeah. And like, we've done this. I mean, this uh, movies are complicated. I mean, we've talked about this so many times on the podcast. We've presented movies on this podcast where 
people involved in it are not people that we agree with and we like even. And it's so interesting because I I've I I did come at this this week thinking, okay, like I'm giving it a fair shot. Like I'm trying to honor the person that I was in 1998 who really liked this movie. And but also I did go on Twitter and was like, I went on Jim Brewer's Twitter account and I'm like, he does like live things with this movie, which I think is so interesting because I'm like, it it seems to like you said, it doesn't seem to kind of gel with sort of what that movie was. The fact that the movie was directed by a woman, written mm-hmm. by a black person. Like, I just was like, oh, that's very interesting that somebody who kind of is publicly not aligned with things like that would continue to sort of champion the film that he was in. I don't know. It's, and it, profit off of it and pro- try to profit off of it. Well, and look, a lot of people have to make decisions like that. And I and I don't know. I, I make them too sometimes, but it's that thing of like, yeah, it's it's a it's a complicated one for sure, and I'm gonna I'm gonna basically talk about this movie in the in the way that I saw it before, and maybe kind of some thoughts that I have now. But um, because that's the thing is that when this movie came out, I was in college, I smoked a lot of weed, and that's pretty much it. Like I didn't want anything more <laughs> from yeah. life than that. And you know, I think this movie actually was part of a kind of trajectory of stoner comedies that came out in the 90s. I mean, it was like, mm-hmm. I remember, you know, obviously stuff like Days of Confused and The Big Lebowski. And I remember seeing this movie, I, I want to say it was in my dorm, of course, but I want to say my sister was visiting and it was like her, my sister and her friends and we all watched this movie together and um, and we all quoted it forever. We all thought it was yeah. fun, you know? And fuck, we named an episode uh, and Anita Bacchiotomy. <laughs> So we it, still quote it. Yeah. Well, and that's I, what's hilarious to me, too, is that I did not smoke weed when I watched this movie. Like, I've never been yeah. a prominent weed smoker, but I hadn't even tried it by the t- when I watched this film. And I still found it funny because you know all those subsects of people that they run through and you know people like this. So it was st- and yeah. it's it is a funny movie. Like, I will say that. Like, it's it's of its time. There are a couple of jokes and we'll talk about it. But there are yeah. a couple of jokes that I feel like have not aged well. But. I definitely thought it was funny then and there's things that I laughed at now and I but it's yeah it's it's it was part of everyone's mind frame I think back then and it was just flat out it was it almost it was also different it wasn't really like I feel like they take some cues from exploitation films and kind of 70s comedies and yeah. you know other movies that that had been out but they made it into something kind of different and new yeah. but still very easy to access so yeah well and like and and to be completely honest with you cuz we just have so much more information now even about mm-hmm. the people in in the you know like this was pre Chappelle show right? right so in this way i feel like this you can see how this movie is a blueprint for Chappelle show, obviously with like certain characters, but also just kind of Dave Chappelle and Neil Brennan's like comic style, right? Mm-hmm. And so, and I thought Chappelle show at the time that it was on when I I thought it was fucking unbelievable. Like I was like, this is the best funniest show ever. So it's funny to watch this thing, which very much feels like a prototype. And so I'm kind of like, well, now do I not think half baked is as funny? Because Chappelle's show was funnier. Does that right. make sense? 
Yeah, that totally yeah. makes sense because now you have you've seen the evolution of the comedy. You're right. like, oh, could this have been different? But I think if if we're looking at it just from the content of the film, knowing all of this, like I want our listeners to know that we've thought about all of this and this is how we kind of process the film, that if you look at it just from the perspective of the content of the film, it is a funny movie. Like, I don't think we can vilify the film itself for the outside actions of the people in it. But I also understand if you're like, I'm not watching this because of the people in it. Like, I totally sure. get it. Like now yeah. you have different information and it, again, I'm at a point where I just, I can't separate art from artists as easily. You know, I have to do a lot of soul searching and a lot more questioning and even a lot of research sometimes, but I definitely understand if people are like, yeah, that's great, but I'm still not watching it. <laughs> like right. I'm still, like, right. I totally understand that. Right. Okay. Well, um, on that note, high note. <laughs> I'm such a bummer. I'm sorry. No, no, no. It's it. We have to talk about it. I mean, it just feels like it. It would. It's an elephant in the room. So, yeah. so just generally, because this movie. I mean, this movie is pretty stupid. Like in terms of the plot, <laughs> like to go beat by beat would be kind of dumb. Generally, the movie is about a group of of childhood best friends who are living in New York City. You've got Thurgood, who is played by Dave Chappelle, Brian, who's played by Jim Brewer, Kenny, who is played by Harlan Williams, and Scarface, who is played by Guillermo Diaz. And, you know, obviously these are young guys living in New York City, so they spend all their days smoking weed, buying weed, buying snacks because they're high. You know, this is all typical stoner stuff, as you can imagine. And so one night... In the beginning of the film, Kenny, the Harlan Williams character, goes out for snacks. And you know, they've just smoked a bunch of weed. He goes to the grocery store, comes out with like two bags of groceries, and then spots this horse, this police horse that's standing outside of the grocery store. And he's so high, he starts feeding the horse food, not knowing that the horse is actually diabetic, and then basically kills the horse right then and there. Like, feeding this, this horse snacks, pizza, I don't know, Pop-Tarts, whatever he had in the bag, and then the horse just literally kills over and dies. I have that still is funny to me that when the when the uh, when the human cop comes over and it's like you just killed an officer. Like that is a very funny premise to me. Totally. Totally. And I read something like I w- I want to say there might be a slight oral history that Tamara Davis gave about half baked that I read I'm just of telling course you. you did. Of course. But she talked about how <laughs> she was like, Yeah, we, you know, we killed a horse in our movie. And I feel like you can't really do that anymore. <laughs> it's like, you can't fake kill a horse in your movie anymore. <laughs> just the idea of like, you can't really do that anymore these days. You can't kill a horse in a movie. <laughs> that is the craziest sentence of all time. <laughs> I know. It cra- it cracked me up. So so what happens is um, Kenny goes to prison because he killed a cop, obviously, a, a horse cop. And in an effort to get the money to spring him from the jail, the rest of the guys decide that, that Thurgood is going to go to his job, which he is a janitor at a laboratory that's called Frankincense and Burr. <laughs> he is going to steal medical marijuana that the lab is testing. And they're going to sell it on the street uh, under the name Mr. Nice Guy. So they've created this, you know, they're, they're now drug dealers and they, and they take the money and they uh, try to 
spraying their friend out of jail, right? That's their plan. Because yeah. his bail was like a million dollars because he killed a cop. So it wasn't yes. something simple. Yes. And the weed that they have stolen from this laboratory apparently is so amazing. It makes people feel like they're flying through the air. As indicated by, there are several scenes of people and animals, by the way, who are flying through the air. <laughs> and they're on wires, obviously. Oh, and okay. another thing that um, I read in this in this Tamara Davis interview, but I think she said it in another interview too, was that she knew of only two times where there was actual weed on the set, right? Oh. So one of the times was when they were on the wires being- Oh my God. Uh, you know, doing that green screen of them flying through the air in as in they, they've just smoked this medical marijuana. The other scene was the one with Snoop Dogg. <laughs> and, the, and only because Snoop Dogg refused to smoke fake weed. <laughs> that is incredible. Yes. I, I think we know that tracks if we know Snoop Dogg. That tracks. That tracks for sure. So anyway, the, the, the guys are selling weed. It's a very profitable business, and then it's so popular that it alerts and anchors the local drug kingpin, Samson, who was played by Clarence Williams III, who we talked about on our episode from a long time ago about Tales from the Hood. And he comes in and is basically like, you need to give me a cut of your profits or else, right? And also tucked in there is a woman the Thurgood meets named Mary Jane... <laughs> played by Rachel True, who you know probably from the craft, but many other things as well. And Mary Jane, oddly enough, is very anti-pot. She hates weed. She hates drugs. And so now, you know, she's trying to date Thurgood, and Thurgood is a weed smoker and a pot dealer, so he's got to hide all this stuff from her. So that is kind of a B story that happens in the film. And that's a, a question that I have for you because they meet at prison. So they're the the guys are in the prison visiting the Harlan Williams character, Kenny, and she's there visiting her dad. And you come to find out that her dad is in prison for selling drugs. So that's why she's like so super against it. Mm-hmm. But she gives them a ride back into the city. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, are you picking up three stoners at prison and giving them a lift home if you're a single woman? No. Of course. I think that is that has also changed from 1998 to present day. Also, typically prisons are far away. Yeah. Like they're way out in the cut. So she's probably in a car with these people for like what, an hour, two hours? Or two. Yeah. No. These people I, I, you don't know. I just thought that was a very interesting, I thought that was a very interesting um, beat of like, oh, she's just picking up these three dudes at a prison and driving them into New York City. Where anything could, they could have killed her instantly and stolen her car and left her body in the woods. Like, hmm. Yeah, I, I wouldn't have done it, let's just say that. No. But um, in a in a very Dave Chappelle-like fashion, he plays another character in the film named Sir Smokes-A-Lot. I would say that he's a prototype for what would be the Rick James impression that he did on Chappelle's show. Um, and this is where the bacchiotomy thing comes in. So, But there's also so many freaking cameos in this movie. I mean, you've got the aforementioned Snoop Dogg, Tommy Chong of Cheech and Chong, Willie Nelson. I mean, those three right there would definitely be on the stoner Mount Rushmore if there was one. But then you also have 
a very young John Stewart, Janine Garofalo, Bob Saget, rest in peace King, Stephen Baldwin, Stephen Wright. David from the second season of Real World. Absolutely. I, I was fucking shocked by that. Uh, <laughs> Tracy Morgan's in the movie. So there's just surprises at every turn. But I think to kind of sum up the feelings that I had when I watched this again, I mean, there are so many dumb stoner jokes in this movie, of course, right? I I gotta admit, I can't say they, like, totally landed for me in the same way as they did in 1998. Right. But people still love this movie. I mean, it is, like, quoted all the time. Uh, I think my sister and her friends, like, still talk about it. Like, they'll be like, remember when we watched Half-Baked and this? You know, I was like, yeah, yeah. And these are, like, 40-year-olds. So, okay. um... Also... <laughs> also, I, ha- I have to say this. I have had and continue to have an embarrassingly big crush on Guillermo Diaz. <laughs> and I know I know he's gay, okay? I know he's gay, but I can't help it. That means nothing for a crush. I, I know. It, it transcends all boundaries. And I, I just have to say, he is so fucking cute in this movie. And... He was actually the first celebrity sighting that I had when I first moved to Los Angeles in 2016. Yes, he was. I saw him at Costco. No! Yes. And I was so fucking excited to see him that I actually called one of my friends back in Atlanta while I was in the store. And I was like, I apparently acted as if I saw fucking Timothy Chalamet. Like, I was that excited. You're like, guess who's moving to LA and making her dreams come true? Yes, I was like, I saw a fucking hot-ass Guillermo Diaz at Costco. I love that he was at Costco. I love it too. And I was like, but seeing him in this movie again, I was like, I have such a crush on him. He's so cute. Anyway. Um, he's very he cannot listen to this podcast. He cannot listen to this podcast. Look, look, add him to the list of people that add him to the fucking Cusacks and the Pecks and the, the Kleins. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I have uh, before I before I go, I have one more fact that is really fucking funny about this movie, which is that when I was reading some more stuff about Tamara Davis, she said that. Somebody once came up to her and told her that Half-Baked was the most stolen movie at Blockbuster Video. Oh, of course. That makes that makes total sense. That is hilarious. <laughs> oh, my God. That is so... Yeah, because you don't want to just put it on your account and then not bring it back because then they make you pay for it. Yeah. And plus, it's like the people who were really gun for fucking Half-Baked, do they remember to return videos on time? Absolutely Thank not. you. Thank you. And I'm going to go one further and say, I bet it was stolen by most of the people who work there. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) More often than not. Listen. I love it. I love that there's um, the thing that really made me laugh this time. And maybe this says more about my mental state right now than anything. But Tommy Chong plays a character called the Squirrel Master and he befriends Kenny in prison. And Kenny's whole storyline is just a very outdated mode about prison rape. And it's yeah. just like, it's just an outdated joke that does not age well and is cringy to watch. But Tommy Chong is kind of his protector in prison. And at one point he's working on the the food line and he's got a hairnet on in his jumpsuit. And then he opens his coat and his squirrel also has a hairnet on. Yes, I love that. <laughs> 
And I don't know why that makes me laugh so hard, but it really makes me laugh so hard. Like harder than when they talk about Billy Bong Thornton and Wesley Pipes. It just yes. made me laugh. So, but that was the other one that made me laugh was when they were naming their bongs and talking about the different kind of smokers was really funny. But yes. There, that's that, that, the moment, that moment was cute. The other, the thing that actually did make me laugh again pretty hard was when they break into the lab and then they go into like the closet with all of the weed and Dave Chappelle losing his shit in the most pure way. Like screaming and being like, ah, Maui Wowie or whatever. I was like, stoners are uh, so dumb and funny. Stoners are weird and hilarious. As long as you don't have to date them or marry them <laughs> or care for them. <laughs> In any way, they're great. They're great. <laughs> well, and like, I, I, I will be honest. I my My weed consumption was real fucking high back then. Like, I was... <laughs> Smoking like every day. I, I don't smoke nearly as much as I did back then. But like that's that was like how I got through high school, folks. Honestly, like fucking hated high school. Smoke weed every day is what happens. I, just, I truly wonder if what my life would have been like if I had discovered weed earlier. I, I don't hate it. I just can't do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I, because I'm too unproductive. And I just can't balance it out. So I, that's why I don't do it. And I just, you know, I have my my own personal experience with drug addiction in my life. So it's hard right. for me to, you know, kind of get to that point. And I'm not saying you were an addict or anything, but I think that it's something that's not discussed is that marijuana is also addictive. And I think yeah. that, um, you know, I just, but I do wonder, because I think if you're going to smoke if you're going to imbibe a drug that makes you deeply unproductive and just makes you laugh i feel like high school's the best time to do it oh yeah listen i i did all my partying when i was really young and yeah. that might be shocking to people because there's people that i know now that were like when did you when was the first time you ever drank alcohol i was like i don't know 13 and they were like what like <laughs> they can't imagine a 13 year old i was like listen it was a it was a it was a different era I when I was a teenager, I fucking was real bummed. Like I just was awkward. Yeah. I got bullied. So my escape was movies, music, and weed, basically. And so exactly, you know, at the time I was young, I could, I didn't really have much going on. I could be high every day, and that yeah. would be cool. But when I got older, it was that thing of like, well, now I feel like life is getting better. I feel like I have more agency and autonomy with things i don't want to be high every day i want to like go out there and do shit so right. it was a time and place and circumstance for me to have done all that yeah I, I i don't think i ever had a problem with it addiction is not in my family thank god but it's right. like but yeah i was just like a dumb kid who experimented a lot with drugs and alcohol and yeah. now i'm a productive adult so Aww. it didn't hurt you it didn't hurt you yeah thank fucking god because i know it could could have with you know and i could have gone harder which is yeah um actually you know i gotta say i wouldn't have i'm just not there's just certain drugs that, that i was like i don't want to do that that doesn't look yeah. fun i don't so. think you're that person at all i think you're more yeah. of a fun fun time person so thank you i think i'm fun too speaking hey, of degrees oh hey carrot yeah, i don't know if you guys can hear him purring all loud in the microphone but he's like i got some shit to say about weed uh. <laughs> <laughs> I need him back 
Mickey out of me. He's he's a New York City trash cat. I'm sure he's been high more times than I have. <laughs> right? Uh, I Speaking of fun, dude, are you ready to talk about your movie? Oh, I'm fucking ready. Oh, me too. My movie was released in 1993. The screenplay is by Gordon Chan, Barry Wong, and John Woo. It was directed by John Woo, and my movie is Hard Boiled. Now, I don't know about you, but I didn't see this movie until like the early 2000s. I didn't see it when it came out. So I wasn't like a, a day oneer with this movie. Oh, yeah. Me neither. Me neither. But I was a day oneer from the first day I saw it. It has been high on my list <laughs> of movies I fucking love. Yes. Oh, my God. Ugh. And oh, just a quick one sentence synopsis, because there's a lot of mayhem and chaos in this movie. A one-sentence synopsis is, after his partner gets killed in a tea house shootout, a hardened cop goes rogue in gangland Hong Kong. Also, babies are thrown out of windows. <laughs> so the cast is pretty incredible and recognizable. Um, Chow Yun-Fat plays the inspector Tequila Yuen. He goes by Tequila in the whole film. Tequila. And Tequila. And then one of the main um, criminal guys is... This character named Alan is play, played by Tony Leung, uh, who we have talked about because he's been in a lot of Wong Kar Wai movies. So we discussed um, when we discussed In the Mood for Love, he was in that film. And then you have Teresa Mo, who's playing this incredible character, Philip Chan, like just these great actors that I know you've seen in other things since this movie has come out. But the premise of this movie is that Tequila, he's just out here buying birds and playing his clarinet. And the whole city is under siege. People are really mad at and killing cops and people are pissed off about it. But we so soon learn, because he's buying birds in a tea house with his friend who's his partner. And we're like, what is up with these birds? Well, we soon learn that they're a code. Because as the cops are spying on the criminals, we realize that they're selling guns. And the guns are in the bottom of the bird cages, which is ingenious. Um, so there's an immediate shootout, and the shootout is chaos. They're, like, boiled water gets thrown on someone along with the kettle. Like, it's just chaos. chaos. Tequila, at one point, is sliding down a banister, holding two guns, and shooting the whole time <laughs> while he has a toothpick in his mouth. It's wild. So his partner gets very killed, and tequila, <laughs> and tequila gets the guy who does it, while he's covered in flour, by the way, because there's so much chaos happening. And if I were doing this as an academic study, I would make an equation for how him being covered in white is how he would we would indicate that he's the good guy. Yeah. But instead, um, it's not an academic dis dissertation. So I'm just going to say that it looks really funny <laughs> that he's fucking covered in flour and he shoots this guy in the fucking face. <laughs> and then his boss comes in and he's like, uh, oops, I was supposed to catch him alive. Sorry, I just shot him in the fucking head. So his boss is pissed because he's like, I worked for months on that guy. Blah. Yeah. So this is what's happening. Tequila is so upset and angry because his partner has died. Mayhem, chaos. So on the yeah. criminal side, we have Alan. And Alan works for a character named Uncle Hoy. And Uncle Hoy is really chill. Um, he just really wants everyone to eat. <laughs> and... Like, you know, he just wants everyone to kind of, like, he accepts gifts of beef jerky. And, like, he, he doesn't want to retire anytime soon because, he like, everyone we meet in the movie, he makes it explicit that he wants to die in Hong Kong. And you're like, all right, dude, I'm not forcing you onto a boat or pushing you out on an ice floe. Like, 
you can die here if you want. Just chill. So Alan, when we meet him, he just walks into a library and shoots a guy in the head. But he uses the silencer because he's polite and he knows the rules. So he uses yeah. the silencer, shoots someone in a, in a in a library, and then a few minutes later, tequila comes in and he's just eating McDonald's right over the dead body. <laughs> Does not give a shit. This is part of him being a hard-boiled cop. He does not give a shit. And he also finds the gun, which was left in a hidden in a book that had been, been cut out. The pages had been cut out so the gun could fit. And he finds the book by measuring the space left by the pool of blood, which is a bit far-fetched for me in terms of a, a cop's ability to do some investigation. Listen, there's a lot of far-fetched scenarios in this film, I will say, that being one of them. For sure. Completely. And then, look, Alan's got his own shit going on. So he meets with this other crime boss, Johnny, who's actually trying to poach him, which leads me to question, are there headhunters in the criminal underworld? <laughs> like, that guy shoots so well. We need to get him on our side. <laughs> Job seekers. Job um, <laughs> LinkedIn. A LinkedIn. It's kind of like the freelance assassin game. <laughs> Like, freelance assassin, does Dracula have a job? These are the th- questions we have. <laughs> oh, my God. Then who's the Ronstad for criminal underworld guys? <laughs> <laughs> well, Johnny's trying to be the first, and he's like, look, that guy you killed in the library, he was one of my guys, but you do good work. So come work for us. And Alan's like, no, I'm loyal to Uncle Hoy. But when they leave the restaurant, their cars are covered in newspaper— and Tequila is there. He basically declares war on Johnny. And even though Alan is with Uncle Hoy, he busts Tequila in the face. And Johnny's like, oh, cool. Thanks for doing that. <laughs> so then we get back to the police the police precinct and we meet Teresa, who works with the police. And she's at the office getting tons of flowers. And the flowers, um, the cards all have lyrics in them. And the first one she gets is for Lionel Richie's Hello. And you're like, what the fuck? Meanwhile, while she's reading this card, Tequila's outside praying for help with his love life super casually. He keeps, like, looking at her and, like, lighting incense sticks. And you're like, dude, chill. But it turns out they dated. And it also turns out that the notes to the song are a code. Mm. So the big boss, you know, Tequila's big boss is like, look, one of the, he doesn't tell him what the messages say. But he's like, one of the messages is, don't ever bite your own tail again. So he basically tells Tequila to lay off the case, which is not what happens. He immediately goes into a warehouse where there's a giant shootout. So if this movie is broken down into shootout scenes, this is the first, and it is prolific, and it is iconic for several reasons. Mm -hmm. One of my questions, not only do I question, are there headhunters for assassins? Where is everyone getting the straw to pack guns? Because I feel like... It seems like a decent way to find gun runners. Like, are you buying a shitload of bales of hay, but you don't own a farm? <laughs> you might be packing guns. So they're all packing guns in these fucking crates. And then these guys on, this is at uh, Uncle Hoy's. This is Uncle Hoy's warehouse. And these guys on mo- motorcycles come in and just start shooting up the place. And one guy pulls maybe one of my favorite moves of all time. <laughs> just drives a motorcycle up a ramp and directly into a guy in the back of a van. So funny. It is absolutely hilarious. I cannot explain how funny it is to see it. It is so good. And so then, then that guy gets up. 
Which I'm like, you were just run over by a motorcycle that was probably going, what, 75 miles an hour? And you, were, and you got up, and then the guy shoots him dead. So I'm just like, wow, he didn't die from the initial impact. But oh, then God, got, subsequently gets shot by the fucking motorcycle guy. It is he wild. Just, just had his rib cage completely crushed in from this motorcycle and then gets shot. The, so, like I said, there's a lot of fantastical things happening in this movie. This warehouse sequence, I am absolutely gobsmacked by how they found more of the warehouse to fight in because... Yes. These people are launching fucking grenades <laughs> inside a warehouse. <laughs> and it's like blowing up several sections of this warehouse. And I'm like, oh, there's another room. There's another section. This one hasn't been completely fucking detonated with like grenades, oh, rocket launchers, shell, <laughs> bullet shells. I'm just like, the. I'm surprised this entire place has not gone up in an Oppenheimer fucking bomb smoke plume it doesn't make yeah. any sense to me no and they're in there and they're look they're in there shooting at metal doors and there's no ricochet bullets killing people <laughs> and you figure like if you're this well prepared for an for an assault why are you losing like if you have all this gear and all these rocket launchers and like why are you losing because the other side has the grenades they weren't that prepared and most <laughs> of the grenades are being lobbed by a goal a guy i like to call bowley because he has a bowl cut that's absolutely the prototype for Anton Jigger from No Country for Old Men. 100% fact. I was like, absolutely. that is a middle school girl's haircut in 1983 or it is from No Country for Old Men. He had a Dorothy Hamill wedge. He was fucking... <laughs> but his, his real the character's real name is Mad Dog, but I call him Bowley throughout the whole film. Oh, and by and... the end of this film, he looks absolutely <laughs> fucking crunched like he's like there's so many like <laughs> he's got a lot going on in that look crunched. but at the beginning of the film he's cool as hell he's lighting his cigarettes on flaming bits of body off of the hood of a car <laughs> he's all right he's intact at the beginning but yeah by the end of the film he is ragged <laughs> <laughs> so, like his job is taking a toll <laughs> So this scene is also where we find out that the reason Johnny wants to kill Hoy is because he's basically killing his business because his prices are too low in the market. And you're like, oh, I forget that a lot of these people are also businessmen and they know stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so he basically tells Alan, look, Hoy's going to come here now that we've shot up the place and you have to kill him. Tequila, by the way, while all this is going on, is just waiting. So during this scene, he's just slowly loading a shotgun with bullets and his loading of the shotgun, it's clicking so loudly that I don't understand how they didn't know he was there. <laughs> Just loading the gun was so loud. But he's hanging out. Bowley is still throwing grenades. And then Johnny's guys surround Hoy as soon as he gets there. And Hoy realizes, oh, shit, Alan's a traitor. Mm. But Uncle Hoy is also like Biggie Smalls. He's like, look, I'm ready to die. But <laughs> don't kill my dudes. Like, don't kill my dudes. I want you to shoot me. And he does. One to the chest. But then he also kills all the guys. Alan kills everybody. That's right. So you think, all right, he fulfilled his his brief for Johnny. He was a traitor to his old crew, but he killed his old crew. Yeah. It's got to be over. No, it's not. Because Tequila is a one-man wrecking crew. 
<laughs> and he's throwing smoke bombs and rappelling down into the warehouse and swinging on a rope like a fucked up Tarzan. <laughs> he's like taking out these motorcycle guys. Every time he he shoots someone with an on a motorcycle, they instantly burst into flames. <laughs> instantly. Alan's protecting Johnny and he's like, Johnny, you got to get out of here. I don't know what the fuck's going on, but apparently this fight isn't over. And Tequila's throwing grenades as well. Like he also has his own grenade. And at one point, it comes to this, the fight comes to fruition and he, Tequila gets Alan point blank, but he's at, it looks like he's out of bullets. He pulls the trigger and nothing happens. But Alan lets him go. Yep. And then you look, he looks at his gun and he's like, wait, this gun was full of bullets. What just happened? It just jammed. And Alan's got a little bit of a backstory. So he, when he's not busy being a traitor to his crew and joining this other crew with this weirdo Johnny, he lives on a boat and he's always just kind of sailing and thinking and 100% screaming at the top of his lungs in his bugle boy jeans. <laughs> and Tequila at the same time goes back to his boss who's like, I told you to fucking give this case up. What were you doing in a warehouse by yourself wrecking shop? And he's like, oh, uh, I need you to tell me who are the cops and who are the bad guys because I don't understand why Alan let me go. And then he says something that is so fucking wild to me. He says, woe betide anyone who stops me. And I feel like if you're not responding that way to a boss, what are you doing with your life? (laughs) If your boss is like, don't look at this file. And then you look at it and the boss is like, what the fuck? And you're like, woe betide anyone who stops me. Impressive. Daddy cool. Cool and impressive. I mean, the (laughs) the superintendent in this movie is like, look, I will fucking fire you. (laughs) But I still think it's cool. I think it's cool to say. How could you fire Chaoyong Fat, though? That's the thing, is that he's the coolest dude. Like, he's the coolest. I swear that was the thing that I kept thinking about the entire time I was watching this again. I was like, he's the fucking coolest guy. Like He is so cool. He's cool in that corny 90s way. But he's cool in, like, a genuinely fucking cool way. And I love that. I love that. I do, too. And he just gets better with age. I absolutely love it. And what we come to find out is that Alan is actually an undercover cop. And Mm -hmm. he's doing this because he's like, look, I'm going to cash out. I'm going to get a Swiss bank account and a house in Guam with some high walls. But he's confused. He's like, I don't know if I'm a gangster or a cop. Like, I'm kind of in between. But he definitely makes a paper crane every time he kills someone and hangs it on his little boat. So he's just, you know, on his own journey. That boat is under siege very soon after this scene because essentially tequila comes and is like, yo, are you a cop or what? And then Johnny's guys come and like, people come to kill him, essentially. And he gets shot in the back, but he survives. And at one point, he's on the dock and Johnny is coming to confront him and, or, you know, just kind of check in with him. And Alan's like, all right, Tequila, you got to get out of here. And he <laughs> jumps into the water and disappears, which is the best exit of all time. True. Dude, I, I don't even know how to say this because... I'll just say, be as permitted, this is the best movie ever made. Like, it is so <laughs> fucking great. It is, like, for anybody who has not seen a John Woo movie before, I mean, I don't even know what to tell you. It is a symphony of fucking violence and weird <laughs> shit and improbable things. And it's, and, and every scene begins and ends 
spectacularly. And like, completely. This, it is literally the funniest thing ever. The two things that happen in this moment Chow Young Fat diving into the <laughs> harbor or whatever. He's just like, okay, see you later. And then just say dives no into the water. Yeah, say, no, no discussion. Say no more. Boop. And then shortly after, the bad guys come, and then there's a shot of his little face peeking right above the water <laughs> underneath the fucking dock. That cracks me up. Just this, like, little child fat face, like, right in the corner above the water. It's like, is anybody, can anybody see me down here? Oh, God, it's so good. It's so good. It's so good. <laughs> Oh god, it's I love this scene. Stuff like that. Like like you said, beat for beat per minute, it is just the best. It yes. is just the best. Oh my god. And look, there's still shit going on because that we also learned that this guy, Fox, Foxy, who's a he's kind of a traitor. He's working for both the cops and for Johnny. But look, you can't play both sides. And Johnny feels the same way. So he tells Alan, look, I need you to shoot him. Um, and Alan sets it up so that he will shoot him, but he won't die. So he puts a lighter that he just got from his boss, like the his police boss. He puts it in his pocket before he shoots Foxy. So Foxy survives, but he goes into the water and then he runs and finds Tequila. And Tequila is in the middle of confiding in this bartender who is a former cop, but is also John Woo, the director. Mm-hmm. Which I love. Oh, and... Johnny is like, yo, Alan, kill Foxy and the cop. Foxy didn't work, but we know he's alive now. You got to kill them both. And tell, and then he tells old Bowley, he's like, you got to follow him because I don't know if I trust that dude. That's right. So Foxy does eventually meet his end at the hospital because he knows something huge, which is the crux of the film. Foxy tells Tequila that Johnny's gun stash that there are all these cops are looking for is in the basement of this hospital. Now, he is recounting this tale while making Tequila turn off his oxygen so he can have a cigarette in the hospital (laughs) after being shot and dumped in the water and dragging himself to this bar. He still wants a cigarette. So he's like, can you turn off that fucking oxygen? Let me tell you two things. One, give me a cigarette. Two, gun stash in the basement. (laughs) And then he gets killed. they They try to save him. They try to hide him. It doesn't work. He gets killed. And what follows and what ends the film, and I will not ruin the very, very ending, but what follows is a mass shootout at the hospital. It is complete mayhem and chaos. Teresa shows up. Teresa, Alan, and Tequila are all working together. They're trying to clear the hospital so they can find this basement gun stash. And I will just say that the three things that happen that I absolutely adore that don't give away the end of the movie... You see Chow Yun-Fat sliding out of a morgue drawer with a gun. Fuck yeah. The best. Iconic. The best. Absolutely iconic. You see Tony Leung sliding on a hospital gurney down a hallway with some guns. My dude. And things, my dude. this hospital is blowing the fuck up. Like Johnny's dudes are there. Like everyone is there. This hospital is blowing the fuck up. While this is happening, Teresa is obsessed with the babies in the hospital. So she wrangles some dudes and she's like, let's put cotton balls in their ears. We got to protect their little ears. There's genuine explosions going on around everyone. Let's put cotton in their ears. Then we're going to lower the bassinet down the side of the building with the baby in it one by one until we clear all the babies out of here. 
And they do it, and it is fucking mayhem. The guys who are holding the babies are being shot by snipers. Yes. These, there are people rappelling down wire with infants. Ah! Infants. They're being shot at. They're being (laughs) shot at while the building is exploding, essentially. It is the wildest and most hilarious fucking scene of all time. Uh, I don't know what you... Okay. This is what I want to get to in terms of the improbable, fantastical things. There's no way that some of these babies made it. They did not make it out. They made it seem like they got all the babies out. There's no uh -uh. way. And I know you don't want to give away the end. But I'm telling you right now, there is at least one baby that perished. (laughs) There is no fucking way in hell. Like, I just have to say, I mean, I don't condone baby death. Obviously, I am not that type of person. But in the context of this fucking insane movie, there's no way that all of those babies made it out. (laughs) No, and look, if they made it out, I guarantee half of them just perished the next day. It was too much. Too much adrenaline running through the little bodies. I was like... Oh, let's just put a little cotton in their ears. Maybe they will be protected from the fucking grenades going off in this right building. There's a, there's at least one baby at the end who had maybe been on the earth for two days and now permanently has PTSD. <laughs> if that, that little guy survived, he has PTSD because the whole building was crumbling around his head. That Cotton doesn't stop that. Cotton doesn't stop trauma. There... Listen, I, I know you're not going to give away the end. I just can't. <laughs> I can't get over it, though. Like, you're just going to, ha- that's just going to have to be a, like a dun-dun-dun moment for anybody who hasn't seen it, because I swear to God, the ending of this movie is unreal. Maybe one of the most unreal endings to a movie I've ever seen. And there is so much going on that I'm like, there, there's, there's just, it, there's just so much going on that I love. I love it so much. I love it so much. So yeah, this movie ends in a, the, the wildest way possible. Ugh. It is so good beat for beat. It's still, it totally holds up. It is 100%. just as bizarre and wild as you think it's as, as the first time I saw it. And if you've never seen it, do yourself the treat, rent it. It's fucking great. I mean, it is, it is such, like we talked about Straight Guy Camp back when we did Roadhouse, this is fucking straight guy camp all the way. It is so over-the-top violent that it's funny. Like, every moment, there's something happening. Like, in the frame, there's like a hundred different acts happening Mm -hmm. in one time. There is people like, I mean, the shot of Chow Young-Fi at the beginning when he's sliding down the banister with his two guns. I mean, I'm just like, this is... This is the best movie of all time. It's so improbable and fantastical. It is a, like I said, a symphony of chaos and violence. <laughs> I mean, like, it's why we love John Wick. It's just an yep, assault. It's why of, we love like, the raid. It's yes. Yeah. It's it's that. It's not. It is so it is fantasy violence. There's, I mean, it's just is there's so many things happening in this movie that are like, there's no way that <laughs> could actually absolutely so in a way it feels like a like a dream or something it's not even realistic to me yeah it takes you out of your head for someone who who abhors violence in my day-to-day life it right those kinds of movies take me out of my head because 
they're just like you said, they're so fantastical yeah. that there's no way they can actually work. And like all all of the people who are doing stunt work in this movie are unbelievable. I think Chow Young Fat and Tony Long are I mean, they're like two fucking rock stars mm-hmm. in the world, in the Asian cinema world. They're both funny and charming. I love them to death. I don't know what else to say. I mean, this movie is maybe like <laughs> the my favorite that we've maybe done on this podcast. I have I have oh, to say. Oh, yay. That yeah. makes me so happy. That makes me so happy. I agree. I think it's just, I was laughing. I was just riveted. It was just as good as I remembered. Yeah. It, yeah, it had been like 10 years since I've seen this movie. And now I want to go back and watch A Better Tomorrow and all the other stuff I hadn't seen in a long time. But I, I, it is almost the perfect ending to this hot month, to this summer movie experience that we've had. I don't know. It's it's such a good one. I we we did it. it. I love that we ended with it. I think Hot yeah. Month was great. It was a successful endeavor for us. Yes. And I'm just so glad that you pitched that and that we got the chance to do it. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. And it was, I hope, we hope you had fun too. I mean, for us, it was just getting to watch like a bunch of fun, hilarious, sometimes dumb, sometimes violent, sometimes great movies. And it just is a good summertime hang for us. And we love it. And we hope you did too. All right. Well, listen, if you want to email us, we are at I saw what you did pod at gmail.com. Um, if you send us email, um, we might read it on the air. So please tell us not to if you don't want us to and throw in some pronouns if you want. And we also have a P.O. box. If you want to send us handwritten letters, you can find that on our socials at I saw pod on Instagram. I'll check our link tree. And we are also on whatever Twitter is now. <laughs> yes, we are. Who who knows if we'll be on other services? I know there's like Blue Sky right now. I don't yeah, know what your feelings threads. are about all that stuff. But yeah, maybe we'll be on those platforms soon. Who knows? Let's see. Oh, yes. So we, as you probably know, we have new merch. And it's limited edition stuff. So if you, you got to get it now or else it'll be gone. Once it's gone, it's gone. And it's great. Uh, we also have other merch. The old merch, too, is there. If you go to the I Saw What You Did section of the Exactly Right shop, you can find it. Don't forget the bonus episodes. The new ones are dropping every third Thursday of the month on the main feed. And our old bonus episodes are trickling out into the main feed every couple of weeks on Wednesdays. Amazing. Well, sorry. I just looked at our uh, episode title for next week. <laughs> I'd <just> start laughing. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to tell them the movies? I absolutely do. Our movies for next week are Shallow Grave from 1994 and Single White Female from 1991. Ooh, couple of bangers, a couple of bangers. Well, Danielle, it's always a fucking pleasure doing this podcast with you. I absolutely love it. See you later. Bye. This has been an Exactly Right production, produced by Casey O'Brien, mixed by Edson Choi. Our theme song is by Tom Bryfogel, artwork by Garrett Ross. Our executive producers are Georgia Hardstart, Karen Kilgariff, and Daniel Kramer. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at IsawPod, and you can email us at IsawWhatYouDidPod at Gmail. Follow 
I Saw What You Did on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen so you don't miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate and review the show. And visit exactlyrightstore.com to purchase I Saw What You Did merch.